Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Dan Campbell should not be talking for more than 30 seconds at a time. It just it loses steam. It loses inspiration. He starts bumbling. He's like massaging his wrists. The big takeaway where people are like, he did burpees. I'm like, can he fucking game plan? I know he can work yeah, out. I, I know he can work out. I that is the game plan. It's a mountain of muscle. But yeah. can he game plan? No, he can't. Hello, welcome to Take Light. I'm your host, Jason Concepcio. Today, I am joined by one of the greatest to be doing it currently, and certainly one of the greatest to ever do it, Zach Harper of The Athletic and many other podcasts such as Cinephobe, such as The Athletic NBA Show, and many others. He's here to talk NBA offseason. We're also going to talk about, uh, you know, EPL versus NFL documentaries. And we're going to be joined by the uh, New York Daily News' Christian Winfield to just unpack the mess that is the Brooklyn Nets. But first, what is up, Zach? Zach, how are you? Excellent. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing wonderful. What kind words? Yes. You are one of the greatest to do it. That's true. I agree, but it's just nice to hear. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Folks, I don't know if we've got some EPL Premier League fans here. I know Ryan is a fan of the footy. I know Zuri has dabbled in it. Zach, I don't know where you are at with it. But I just want to say that if anybody out there is looking to get on, to get involved in EPL soccer in football, in the English Premier League, the greatest, the richest, the most competitive uh, soccer league in the world. It's it's a great time right now because there's just like a lot of great storylines. Manchester United, who won more championships than anyone ever in the history of the league, is on its fucking ass. Highly touted manager from Ajax, Eric Ten Hag, is blaming everybody but himself, uh, the Glazers, uh, the American owners of Manchester United, if they set foot in the country, would probably be tarred and feathered and rode out of town on a rail. Uh, And then a viral moment from this weekend, uh, Thomas Tuchel, the manager of Chelsea, and (laughs) Antonio Conte, (laughs) the manager of of Tottenham Hotspur, former Chelsea manager, had a handshake that turned into just like a a grip contest? Did you see mm-hmm. this, Zach? Yeah, it's the only thing I saw from uh, from soccer this weekend. Uh, as I'm not a, I'm not a soccer man. I'm not against it. I just like I don't know where to start. Right? Like I don't know where to dive in. But you show me a video of two men shaking hands. <laughs> I love it too much. Too much. Well, it wasn't. It's, yeah, you're right. It, it's not even a handshake. It was just a 
Can I squeeze your hand longer than you can squeeze can my I, hand? Can I just continue to squeeze your hand? Can Wait, I hold it, your hand? It feels like a like one of those off-strip casino games in uh, <laughs> Vegas yeah, Vacation right? that Randy yeah. Quaid would play. Like yeah. it just, yeah, it seems that's what it that's what it looked like. Just who can hold whose hand longer? So apparently, well, it was a, it was a, a hotly contested match. Tottenham had not beaten Chelsea in like five million years, and uh, ended up tying the game on a on a like at the death Harry Kane goal, um, and they go to shake hands, the managers, and apparently the issue for Thomas Tuchel was that Conte didn't look him in the eye. <laughs> When he was just trying to do the Belichick, like, I'm going to walk by you, handshake, yeah. like, quick handshake, and then walk by you. And then Tuchel was like, no, I'm going to hold on, and you're going to fucking look at me in my eyes. Do you just, uh, yes, Zuri. <laughs> Sorry, no, I'm looking at the tape. I'm oh, reviewing yeah. the tape right now. I don't think, yeah, yeah. Tuchel, I don't think Tuchel looks Conti in the eye. He kind of glances by him as well. So it's like, what are you even upset about? How does everyone feel about, do we care if somebody looks you in the eye, if you get a handshake at the end of a hotly contested Sporting event? I mean, the context at the end of that is what kind of puts it at less problematic than I think my initial reaction was. I know. Like, I yeah. think that it shows the it's it's sportsmanship, it's gamesmanship. It, it takes a third of a second to do right to do to not look someone in the eye shows like some level of contentiousness. But it it was that type of match. But it's definitely a strong arm move to be like, nah, you look me in the eye after that type. I think I think part of it, too, is that, you know, defend, Tottenham defender Christian Romero pulled uh, uh, pulled his man's hair, you know, uh, pulled his man's hair and probably cost them a gold and didn't get red carded or carded or anything. Uh, and that, you know, you could argue, I think, uh, fairly uh, justifiably it cost Chelsea the win. But, like, you know. Why 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 are we still shaking hands at the end of matches <laughs> and games? What is, uh-huh. is this Pleasantville? What are we? What is I think it's point? for the kids. It's for the kids, Zach. It's what? for the kids. So the kids grow up and they know and they understand. Like, listen, adults are fucked up and everything they do is fucked up. But yeah. it's very very important to have this kind of performative well, politeness because if Jason, you don't, shit just goes off the rails. Me to clutch my pearls and say. <laughs> What did the kids learn this time? <laughs> I want to say I want to say I wouldn't care, but in my normal life, when I'm walking down the street and I give someone a head nod or we get into the you proper proximity, I need yeah, I do yeah, feel yeah, disrespected yeah, yeah. if like yeah, yeah. you know we're sure. two human beings. Like yes. let's just have this that's moment. true. Uh, that's true on that level. I agree, but yeah. on I do think like in a in a context of sports of of again very competitive sporting men that uh, you know it's kind of. If I disrespect you, that's kind of cool, isn't it? <laughs> this is better for sure. <laughs> it's, very, it's very trendy right now to disrespect. Yeah, I think it's it a is little very, cool. Yeah. The kids are all doing it. Um, Zach, I wanted to pitch you. If you're looking to get into the beautiful game. I am. Then Amazon Prime has a, a series called All or Nothing. And it'll be like All or Nothing Juventus, All or Nothing okay. Man City. There's a there's a, a couple of NFL ones, right? I think they did the Cardinals. They do Rams at one point, I think. They did the Rams, I yeah. think, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, this season they're doing All or Nothing Arsenal. Now, that is my favorite team, so I am biased here. But I will say they give them some really, really great access. Okay. This season there is – a kind of like culture dispute with the star striker of the team where the manager, Mikel Arteta, kind of has to put his foot down. 
and it's risky because they don't really have anybody uh, that can score goals other than uh, Aubameyang, who ended okay. up just kind of like randomly going to Barcelona, he said, like on a family trip, but obviously also to be scouted by the team and to maybe sign over there. And it's great. Mikel Arteta, who uh, I have been critical of, I completely fell in love with him over the course of, of six episodes now. He's just like, uh, you just get a lot of insight, one, into how hard it is, especially with a young team. And he said something that really, I think, put a lot of the, the previous years of Arsenal and certainly the years under him in uh, in context. He said, you pay for the education of young players with points, meaning when you play young players, they're going to cost you the game sometimes. But that is the investment you make so that at the end of this, at the end of two years or three years or whatever, you have a cohesive team that understands how to play. And it's just, it's been great. It's really, really inspiring. Zach, give it a try. You know, it's an international cast of characters. Okay. They're like f- guys having fun. The trainers are fun. The, the, uh, the coach is a charismatic guy. I think you'd enjoy it. All right. I'm into the idea because I have at various points over the last few years, I, this is something I didn't know, is that as Twitter really took off all of a yeah. sudden people were like oh yeah this is my epl team and this and i was like wait we're doing this i didn't know people <laughs> yeah, yeah. were doing this and like and it, but it was just like like i was the outsider i'm the outsider in this because i didn't grow up following any of this i don't know yeah. any of this like um i i play fifa you know i'm trying to i'm trying to get <laughs> i'm trying to get i don't even know promotion i'm trying to get nottingham forest promoted to the, oh, they're to in, the they're in. i'm just talking about my fifa world i took them <laughs> trying to get up well, let me tell you, this is why it's the perfect time for you, Zach. Okay. Nottingham Forest, one of the signature teams of the late 70s and 80s, two European Cups, came out yeah. of nowhere. They made a movie about that era with Michael Sheen as uh, their manager, whose name's now uh, escaping me. Uh, you know, really cool logo with the tree and they're all yeah, red. Lo- yeah. They are, after the most perilous fall, maybe of almost any like professional sporting club where they went from two European cups to falling out of the top league. They're back in the premier league this year after 22 years in the wilderness. So so in the lower league. So they're back. They're back. So now do, do they also have a 17 year old American named Zach Harper scoring three goals a game? (laughs) (laughs) Cause that also helps me get invested. (laughs) They don't, but I think if they could buy such a player, I think they absolutely would okay. because they need right. they need stuff like that. But I, I'm telling you, Zach, he, he's going to be on loan pretty soon. <laughs> trying to get some money here. It's a World Cup year. You're nodding him. I do love the World Cup. I do love the World Cup. Back in the, the top Cup. flight, yeah. it's a great time to get in. Okay. All right. Yeah, I'm in. I will watch this. I, I'm hoping it's more inspiring than what the Lions are doing to me with Hard Knocks. Oh, tell me about it because I need because to start this. Because I um, – Look, I go into a lot of these thinking <laughs> I don't believe in this team, right? Raider, I'm anti Raiders on everything. I just hate the fucking Raiders. I worked I for that. them for a year. I it's the only Oh, sports- wait, wait. I did- yes. Okay, well, let's table that because I need yeah. to know more about about that. Yeah. I were yeah, okay. So, I like I I hate them. I hate the fan base. I it's my only like real thing. Like I don't like the Mets as a Braves fan. Even though okay. I'm like, I don't okay. care. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't care. Yeah. Right. Like ultimately, I don't care. Braves won the World Series. I don't. They win this year. I don't give a shit. But I want the Raiders to suffer every game, every quarter of every game. Like I want them and their fan base to suffer every fucking game. And so when John Gruden comes out there, is like, 
you know, I'm not into dreams. I'm into fucking nightmares, right? And everyone's like, oh, and I'm like, they went seven and nine. Uh-huh. Like they went yeah. seven and nine the next year. And then the real nightmare was his emails being leaked. Like that's the real nightmare that he's probably not into. And then last year, <laughs> I walked away from the Cowboys hard knocks thinking, holy shit, that's a talented team. And also thinking, I will never be scared of a Mike McCarthy coach team. Eat to the point. <laughs> they play the 49ers. They play the 49ers in the in the playoffs. And I the whole time I didn't let a sliver of doubt enter my mind because I just kept going back to him trying to talk up yeah. the movie Austin Powers to a bunch of 22-year-olds that, that were born <laughs> after it came out. And so this year, I don't go into this having any expectations of the Lions, but I walked away from episode one, Jason, thinking this team is worse than I could have imagined from a coaching <laughs> Wait, what, standpoint. What, from what, a coaching standpoint. Okay, what, 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 what made you feel that way? Dan Campbell should not be talking for more than 30 seconds at a time. It just it loses steam. <laughs> it loses inspiration. He starts bumbling. He's like massaging his wrists. The big takeaway where people are like, he did burpees. I'm like, can he fucking game plan? I know he can work <laughs> yeah, out. Right. I know he can work out. That I is the game plan. It's a mountain of muscle. But <laughs> yeah. can he game plan? No, he can't. And then they're just highlighting the the coaching staff because it's all former players which they're relatively entertaining but I don't think any of them are going to coach football well. I watched it as well. Um I don't know, I'm inspired by Dan Campbell. I think he finds it after moments of like uh, disillusionment. But the the Aaron Glenn Deuce Staley moment where they're kind of <laughs> so sparring with each other on the sideline. Um I just think that <laughs> Deuce Staley's kind of a bully Aaron Glenn's like keeps moving away from him. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and there's like, I don't know, there's some fake valor in oh, the show, yeah. but the one, the one thing I want to point out is like the camera work is really great. There's a lot always, of moments. Always. Dude, always, beautiful. It is always. a beautifully put together show. You can almost never see the cameras too. It's like yeah. very well thought out. There's moments where they, the whole team is breaking down and they're in a huddle and there's a camera guy on one knee in between like two giant thighs. And it's like, I just really appreciate the production of it. There's a Jamal Williams speech that I laughed so hard at because it's not even like a pro athletes can't get emotional, can't cry. It's just that his voice cracks in a way when he's like, we're not our record. We can do it this year. We could make it. And I'm like, are you trying to break out of like a military facility or like go eight and nine? Like, what, like what's, the, what's the goal here? Because I couldn't figure out like he, like, he's like, I care about y'all and all this stuff. I'm like, He's like, we're not our record. I'm like, you're the Lions, buddy. You are. Your, yeah. You're always your you're record right. when you're the Lions. Absolutely. Let me ask you this. If you know, if you're a coach, you know that uh, that there's going to be cameras following you for this mm. season. Do you do you take it up a notch speech wise? You know, normally where you just be like a lot of F-bombs and, you know, we got to yeah. kick that team's ass and yada, yada, yada. Ugh. Are you then thinking, you know what? I got to, this is going to live on. I got to, <laughs> I got to craft it a little bit more. I this really got to bring it with this. This is the problem though. It's like Dan Campbell tried that. You can tell he tried <laughs> that. Like he had a, he, he had this thing where he's like, I'll fight. I don't care if you have one ass cheek and three toes. I'm like, that would be a demonstrably easier opponent. He's going to fight somebody with one ass cheek and three toes. If he has to, if he has to, that's what yeah, he wait, is said. that. 
Yeah, it was, yeah. Give me the guy with one ass and three, <laughs> who has absolutely no core strength or ability to explode yeah, through the no balance. through their their yeah. yeah no balance. I'll push him over in the chest and they just yeah. go down because they have one ass. A team of those guys are still three and a half point favorites over the Lions next right, week. Yeah. On the road. <laughs> But also, like, I think this is all in the same speech, like, where he then, like, starts talking about trying to drown the other team. Oh, that was confusing. Yeah. yeah. And then and then he tried to, like, make a, a light. The light at the end of the tunnel is a is a freight train, right? It's not like hope. It's a freight train, except he bumbles that to where, like, he's about to deliver. And he goes, you guys know the Metallica song? <laughs> There's a Metallica song that uh, talks about this. It's like, just say the fucking thing. You don't have to credit your sources. There's no bibliography in this speech. There's a bunch of like 23 year old NFL players that are like, what? <laughs> I can see the gloss going over the eyes. Yeah, yeah like not, yeah. Even, not even Aiden Hutchinson's like, yeah, I know Metallica. I know the Metallica yeah, song. Like, yeah. that's not happening. Dan Campbell's all energy. It doesn't matter what he says. If the energy's right, then I'll play for him. Oh, he is just nothing but a tornado of creatine. Like, it's, it's <laughs> yeah. spectacular. When you're as bad, I say this as a Knicks fan. And I think, you know, Zach, you have, you, probably have a, a good handle on this I've as well. There. But I think when you're as bad, when you're as bad as the lions have been for as long as they have been. Yeah. That's kind of a, you know, at this point, Dan Campbell, whoever it's about who is making these overall decisions at a certain point, isn't it? Because right. you've just brought in so many people, so many different coaching staffs at this point that you kind of have to look at who's steering the mm -hmm. entire ship, don't you? I mean, yeah, I'm, I mean, right? Like, I for the Knicks, it's it, it's James Dolan, right? It's Mr. Takes Mr. over, Mr. blah, blah, blah. Like, James, uh, yeah. for, the, for the Timberwolves, it's been Glenn Taylor owns his team. Look how bumbling yeah. they are, right? Like, for the Kings, it's been, well, it was, it was the Maloofs and then it was Vivek, and that's just, that's tough. I mean, that's that a was tough transition just, right yeah. there. <laughs> that's a rough one. But, yeah, like, it always has to come back to above even the high-level people, right? It's, it's yeah. at the top with this stuff. It's, I mean, I've said this a bunch of times, but, like, the Cleveland Cavaliers don't have a championship if LeBron's born in New Mexico. Oh, yeah, no. Right? Like, uh, like, yeah. like, Dan Gilbert kind of lucked into one there in yeah. a way, but he's he's been a bumbling owner in so many ways. Like, yeah, like, this is... This is a, a situation with the Lions where it goes beyond Dan Campbell and Jared Goff and everyone tasked to like talk trash on the sidelines and give us good TV. I say this to to as a, as a way to bring up the EPL again because over there there has been an influx of American ownership of English soccer teams not not just at the Premier League level but below the Premier League level. Famously, like Rob McElhaney just. Bought Wrexham FC. I can't wait um, for that documentary. I by can't, the way, I'm I can't, ready. That's yeah. gonna be fun. <laughs> and there's a significant distrust in the English sporting culture of American ownership because the view, and I think fair view, is that Americans don't like to spend money, and when they spend money, it's all money that they borrowed from somebody else. Absolutely. Uh, and with the Glazers, the American owners of uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and uh, Manchester United. The, they, the criticism of the Glazers is that, one, they borrowed money from Manchester United to buy Manchester United. I'm kind of simplifying it, but essentially they leveraged a debt deal to buy Manchester United. And so Manchester United has been paying down this significant debt ever since the Glazers have owned the team. And their ownership of the team has also coincided with, you know, a horrific – and and crumbling run of form to the point that uh, you know 
fucking Manchester United are currently on their worst start uh, post Sir Alex Ferguson. Uh, and they just got fucking crushed by four goals to to Brentford of all teams. And it's very significantly about the ownership. Like it's a lot about the ownership. There should, needs to be a way to like – like a dunk tank or something. Like at the end of the, like don't you think like at the end of the year, I get it. Yeah. We can't make you, we can't force you to sell, you know, once you have purchased something, but there needs to be something in there. If a team is bad for like five or more seasons to where we can clearly lay it at the feet of ownership, where like everybody gets to like shove a pie in the face of the owner, like at the end of the season or something. <laughs> What about like the Game of Thrones like walk of shame, right? Like just make them yeah. walk naked like from the <laughs> office down to yeah. the the stadium or whatever and like you know make it a healthy walk and um and we'll set it up to where like people can't actually like really throw stuff at them cuz you got you got to make it safe and buy it. Yeah, that should be part of owning a team. Yeah. Something like that. Well, I mean, wouldn't it be cool too if there was an owner that like if the team made more money than they expected to make? They just like paid fans back the excess, like you know, like the, the most for, the most like passionate fans get like some a check in the mail, like you know, communism. Yeah, I think that that is an amazing. Let's support idea. that team. I think, I think that would have like a rebate. Yeah, uh, yeah, like a rebate. We did two well yeah. rebate, right? Right, like, here right. You go. Here's two hundred fifty. Hey bucks. guys, I was gonna get another eight hundred uh, meter yacht, but yes. instead. Right. Here is two vouchers for free drinks uh, for the upcoming season. <laughs> that, that, that is a man of the people. Did the New York Giants give a, uh, like, here's a medium Pepsi for her. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for your support. Sorry for here. watching Danny Dimes. Here's medium diabetes for you. Right yeah, yeah. It would be a discount on a, an expensive jersey anyways yeah. that you have to buy. So. Yeah, it's, it's, this rebate is only valid in the team shop. Yeah. <laughs> well, Zach, I'm going to be keeping I'm going to be keeping track of this. It, it, listen, if you decide that you want to to support an EPL team, yeah, I'm here to bounce ideas off of. I'm sure. Listen, yeah, I don't. I don't know how to pick. I think that's the thing. I don't know how to get invested. So I'm. I'm de- like, I'll watch the. What is it? All for one. All in. All or nothing. All, all or Amazon nothing. Bank. Yeah. All for one is a is a Brian Adams banger, right? That's what that is. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, all for nothing. I'm. I'm. I'm in. Like, I'm gonna watch that, and then I don't. Yeah, I'm gonna need help like picking a team. You know, I would say just watch the league generally. Just w- watch good football. See if anyone sticks out. It's it's almost like adopting a dog, right? Like you just go in and you see if somebody like connects see, with like, you. I feel bad for this one. I'll mm-hmm. take it. Like. <laughs> but I would also say, like, I would also say, like, don't torture yourself. Like, don't be like, oh, I hear Southampton has a long history of, you know, like, yeah, like pick a pick a team that's actually in the mix too. So, man, you would not be the right choice don't. right now. Okay. No, don't don't pick oh, them. Oh, for various reasons, don't pick them. Right. I, obviously, again, the, the most winningest team in history, but it's going to be shaky for a little while with them for years. Um, but you know, like Liverpool, Tottenham, even Arsenal, who are in the come up right now, Chelsea. Well, my my FIFA uh, guys, Nottingham. Yeah, yeah. Nottingham. <laughs> I pick strictly because of Robin Hood. Fun. I picked that team strictly because of, of Robin Hood, <laughs> and I like the logo. That you know was what? It. I, I think you might have found your team. Zach. I was a Timberwolves yeah. fan when I was a child because I thought Wolves were cool. It's not a lot of logic to this. Like, I mean, listen, yeah. I'm an Arsenal fan because they have a they have a gun on the fucking on the, cred, Ooh, on the like badge. That. They have a Hold cannon. On. They have a cannon on the badge, and it sounded Arsenal sounded cool. And then at the time, they had the best player in the world, who I thought was the best player in the world, Thierry Henry, at the time. Yeah. So it was like an easy 
bandwagon pick for me and I've stuck with it. So don't be, don't feel bad about going bandwagon, but also like, listen, Nottingham Forest, great history of, of a, of a club. And Robin Hood. And in the top league, trying to do some damage to the the teams with champions. Yeah, league shake some, shake some shit up. Yeah, all right, let's go. Let's go, Forest. Is that what you? I don't know what you say. And something <laughs> like that. And that's the other thing. Like, there's the songs. You'll oh, see YouTube them. Yes. YouTube, them. YouTube the Nottingham Forest songs, and they, you will find them. I'm gonna pick yeah, it yeah. strictly on the songs. Actually, I, I don't know why. I don't know why I was <laughs> thinking anything other than like I'm just gonna pick the songs I like the best. All right, up next, Christian Winfield. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The savings rock when you find a new way to roll, like sharing the ride to work. Even if you're commuting just a few days a week, Commuter Connections can match you with others who live and work near you. It's easy and free. Plus, you can get cash and other rewards for carpooling, up to $600 a year. Get rolling on a new way to work with Rideshare. Register today at commuterconnections.org or call 1-800-745-RIDE. That's commuterconnections.org. Some restrictions apply. Hey, have you heard the Virginia Lottery has a new Willy Wonka Golden Ticket Scratcher that has a top prize of $100,000? Tell that to my automated Golden Ticket Scratcher apparatus. You simply put the ticket in here, and the machine scratches it for you. And while we wait, we can play the Willy Wonka Golden Ticket online game with a top prize of $1 million. Just visit VALottery.com or use the lottery app. That's one impressive scratcher apparatus. Use it whenever. What's mine is yours. But hands off the scratcher. That Willy Wonka golden ticket is all mine. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Picture this. You're Joe Sai. You're sitting in your office, right? You're, you've got Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, the BBC, and C-SPAN on the massive bank of televisions that make up the, the one wall of your absolutely palatial office. And on all those screens, it is the growing tensions around the island of Taiwan after Nancy Pelosi's visit. You've got Chinese warships surrounding the island, launching missiles over it that were landing near Japan. Warships are practicing doing landings on the beaches there to seize the island back. 
And as you're watching this and your sweat is breaking out on your brow, because, of course, you're tightly connected business-wise, culturally, et cetera, to China. And this is, you know, you've got uh, family members and loved ones that you're worried about. Could war possibly break out? And as you're doing this, your phone rings. You answer it. It's your assistant. Your assistant says, Kevin Durant is here, wants to talk about the direction of the team. And then you have to let Kevin Durant in. And and while war is looming and threatening, you now have to talk with Kevin Durant about, like, I don't like Steve Nash. Can we get rid of this guy? To help us figure out all of that is the New York Daily News' Christian Winfield is going to take us into Joe Sy's office. Christian, how are you? I'm not going to take you into Joe Sy's office. That conversation happened in London, right? <laughs> I, I believe... Uh, I believe Kevin and, and James Harden were out there supporting Travis Scott during that concert, and uh, Joe Sy linked up with them. They had that conversation out there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, two years ago, you had the best team in basketball, right? And, and now you're talking about you got a team with Ben Simmons and and maybe no Kyrie, and we, we don't know what's going on. The Nets are a mess, man. Uh, so where where do we stand right now? Where Where are things right now? Um, things are, things have kind of been the same way for about a month now, right? Where you don't know if Kevin is going to be here. And if he is going to be here, it's going to be uncomfortable as hell. Uh, you have this weird situation with Kyrie who says he wants to be here long-term, but maybe the GM doesn't wait. That that whole situation played out publicly, which was weird. And then you have a team right now that kind of makes sense, but also kind of doesn't because you, you have Nick Claxton on a two-year deal, but you haven't, you don't really have that enforcer of a center yet. And you're kind of looking around this roster. But at the same time, it's like, well, if Kevin Durant decides to come back, you've, you've still got a Nets team that could win a championship this year, right? So it, it, on one end, you've, nothing has changed. But with this ultimatum, kind of like everything has changed. So it, it's it's crazy right now in Brooklyn, man. It's it's, it's almost like what I would think it, would feel, it feels like covering the Knicks, but in Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> Christian, the, the vibes it gave me... And a little bit of like, I don't know what the Nets plan is with this situation. Like, I know it's like, hey, why don't you just play this year out? Let's see what let's see what happens, right? And then, or part of it could be the second we get a deal where like 30 draft picks are suddenly allowed to be traded, like we'll take that, right? But it feels, I got the same vibes as like when Jimmy Butler wanted out in Minnesota in the sense of Tom Thibodeau just kept thinking, We'll get him to camp. He loves basketball. He'll be back in the camaraderie and be back with the guys. And then everything will kind of fix itself. And obviously the opposite happened. But with the Nets and KD, I do wonder if like, not saying other guys and other stars around the league don't love the game, but like KD is legitimately obsessed with playing basketball, right? In a way, like even for an NBA superstar, like it is above and beyond. I do wonder if there is a strategy in like, He's going to get back on the court. He's not going to want to half-ass it because he's who he is. And maybe that at least gives us some breathing room. You you know, that's an interesting train of thought. I've been told by sources that have been talking to me this whole time that, you know, there's a growing chance that Kevin holds out a training camp, right? And then if he holds out a training camp, what happens? That said, you know, I still think it's in both the Nets and in Kevin Durant's best interest to find a way to make this thing work. You know, I was just having a conversation the other day any team that trades for Kevin Durant, I think, maybe outside of the Celtics, are no longer contenders because of what they'll have to give up to get him, right? If the Celtics, even the Celtics, if you had to give up Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart, you're hoping that Malcolm Brogdon is going to give you a whole healthy season because if not, you're probably going to lose to the Bucks at some point. Right. Every other team, 
whatever they're giving up, maybe not the Pelicans, right? If the Pelicans could give up Brandon Ingram and some picks and maybe another player, you're, you're in the clear, but that's only if Zion is healthy. Everybody else, you're giving up what it's going to take to win a championship. You look in Brooklyn, if you've got a healthy Ben Simmons, if you've got Kyrie motivated on a one-year deal, contract year, has to earn that next deal, and you've got Kevin Durant, who, as we know, loves basketball, wants to win, and you still have that mid-level exception, you might arguably be championship favorites in the East, in, in, in all of basketball, right? So I, I think it makes sense for them to come back. But at the same time, you go to your team owner and, and say, hey, you got to fire the GM. You got to fire Steve Nash. That's a tough one. That's a tough hurdle to get over, yeah. I don't know how that works. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if Kevin's the type of guy who's going to come in and start throwing basketballs at people when training camp starts if he does report, because we heard about all the reports of Jimmy Butler and what happened in Minnesota. But um, right. it, it's just a weird situation. Right. And it's just like, how, how do you get by this? I mean, at, there was one train of thought where it's like, yeah, these are all grown men. They'll be able to get yeah. over. Like, no, these are guys with egos. We see. We know how this can work. And, uh, I, man, it's a mess. It is a mess. So the reason for my Josai preamble was because it seems to me like this is significantly coming down to kind of a battle of the wills between two erstwhile stars of the Nets, Kyrie Irving and KD. And whatever Josai wants to do, is he going to back Marks and Nash? And how much? And is he going to hold Kyrie and Katie's feet to the fire? I think we saw with the Kyrie vaccination kind of like ongoing conversation that there came a point where Josiah was just like, I don't give a shit, like either do this or don't. And then he kind of backed down and that kind of blew back on him in an embarrassing fashion. And then it seemed like he was going to back his team and he was like, fine, you guys want to go? You can go. And then when nothing really emerged market wise, he was also happy to just sit back and let that happen. Is there any kind of indication about, you know, what level of annoyance Joe is willing to put up with in order to reassemble this team? Or is he perfectly happy to be like, if we want to blow this thing up, we can do that, too? You you know, here's one thing. On the Nets official website, Joe Sy is listed as governor. And Sean Marks is listed as alternate governor, right, as well as GM. So that kind of shows you just how far Joe is going to go to back his guy, in my opinion. And, you know, there's just been some talk that Joe and Sean gave Kevin the guy he wanted in Steve Nash. From everything that I've been told, it was the other way around. Steve is Sean Marks' guy. Kevin signed off on it. Kyrie signed off on it. And now you've got this guy who has no head coaching experience trying to lead a championship team, which we all knew wasn't going to work. Except everybody except Sean Marks apparently thought it was it thought it was a terrible idea. And, and here we are now. Um, so, I mean, at a certain point, what level of annoyance are you going to put up with? I mean, you had to deal with a guy like Kyrie who decided he didn't want to play for two weeks because the insurrection at the Capitol happened. I, I think at a certain point they, they've had they've had enough of it. But at the same time. This is what comes like you have to give to get in a way. And when you when you're I I consider it blessed. right? I I remember covering the Nets when they were winning 20 games, 28 games. And then one day, one tweet from from KD and Kyrie says Brooklyn. And now you're knocking on the door of a championship every year. Are you willing to put up with a little bit of annoyance? If you want to use that word that lets you knock on that door every if you knock on that championship door every year, eventually that door is going to open. Right. And and I think at a certain point. It's tough, though, because this was before that ultimatum was issued, right? This whole time I was saying, hey, at, at, at minimum, you're knocking on the door of a championship every year. At maximum, you're a dynasty. Just sign the checks. Let them let them do what they do and be grateful because a couple of years ago, you weren't even selling out. I remember when they're, they're selling out stadiums now. They're selling out games at Barclays. I remember when there were no fans in that building at all. And the Nets fans would tell you, no, we, they were fans. No, there they weren't. 
It was empty. <laughs> and now you have a product I that people it. are... Just calling Nets fans flat-out yeah. liars to the... Yeah, I have to. I have to. <laughs> I, I, went to a, I went to a Nets Magic game in, like, I don't know, 2012 or 2013 or something like that. And there were more Magic fans there. This is post-Dwight, by the way. Like, there were more Magic fans than Nets fans. I just remember thinking, what an amazingly weird arena experience. Because it is a... It's a Dope fucking arena. Like, it's really cool. But yeah, it was like, it was a weird experience. And, and now you're here where you're dominant. Every day, every time you, you wake up in the morning, they're talking about the Nets on ESPN, unless it's the other day where they weren't talking about the Nets at all for whatever reason. Oh, I think we know the reason. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> talking about the Nets every day on, on every network. And if you try, I was having this conversation with somebody. Even if Kevin Durant sits out, the story is still about the Nets. If you trade yeah. Kevin Durant for pennies on yeah. the dollar, you're losing fans, you're losing headlines, you're losing relevance. So that's what the stalemate is as well. You're very well sourced around the Nets and in New York sports in general. What are the people, obviously not asking you to blow your sources, but if you want to, that'd be great. But like, what is the the feeling of, like, is it bemusement? Are they just like, can you believe this stuff we're dealing with? Like, what are the people who are in that world feeling about the circus that is swirling around this team right now? I told you, man, you're my number one source. You can you can speak for yourself <laughs> if you want to. No. I do love the idea of Jason just going, you know what? I know this stuff. I got right, it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let, Christian, right, right. I got you. Like, uh, I, I've got the sources. <laughs> you know, part of it is, you know, I've got people that have told me that, Kevin Durant is so checked out from this situation that there's no way he just comes back on bygones, he bygones, let's play basketball, right? And part of me doesn't want to believe that because at the end of the day, I still feel like his best chance to win at a high level is going to be in Brooklyn because of what other teams are going to have to give up to get him. Um, but from the Nets side of things, you know, some of, there's some people who believe that the Nets still want this to work. Right. They, they, they believe that Joe size is going to stand his ground and hope that one day Kevin Durant is going to come around and play. And if not, he's not going to trade him for a, a lesser package. And that's just tough because now you've got this situation where you're going to drag this thing out and you're going to waste a season in a way. Right. And, and it, it's just a, a terrible situation to be in. But at the same time, I, I feel like this is what happens when you had Sean Marks come out a week after Kyrie said, I want to co-manage the franchise with Sean and Joe. I will yeah, never yeah, forget yeah. that quote. And a week later, Sean Marks basically says, hey, Kyrie, no, you didn't play enough games. We don't buy that. Yo, Kyrie <laughs> is a blessing. I mean, he just, oh, my God. Remember what he said? I don't even think we have a coach. Like, I could be the coach. KD could be the coach. You know, Jacques Vaughn could yeah. be the coach. That's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's spot on, yeah. To, to be fair to him, he wasn't even saying, like, I want to co-manage. He was saying, I love that we co-manage this. He was basically yeah. saying it yeah. as oh. a statement of fact that Jason, he enjoyed. I love my relationship with Rihanna. Like, it's yeah, amazing. Like, too. this is just what I do. <laughs> you know, we're so in love. And, you know, we, oh, just, we my talk goodness. all the time. That is hilarious. But, uh, you know, a after that, things kind of changed because that at a certain point, the messaging from the net side that got leaked to ESPN was, you know, we're willing to lose KD and Kyrie over this. And at that point, when you're publicly posturing like that, when you're blessed enough to have these two stars, I'm, and I say blessed because, you know, how often in NBA history do you have two guys of this caliber choosing a team that I remember winning 28 games just a couple of years yeah. ago? Now they're coming on completely reinventing this franchise. 
my standpoint is you do whatever it takes to keep them happy, to keep them there, because at a certain point, they're going to get you to the NBA finals. Remember, just a couple years ago, they were about to go there. Yeah, with Kyrie Hurt, with James Harden on one leg. I watched Kevin Durant last year. The Nets had maybe eight players in health and safety protocols. He's on the floor with four rookies, beat Joel Embiid, Tobias Harris, 76ers. At that point, I'm like, oh, this man is special. And now you're talking about publicly, oh, we're willing to lose both of them just because? Like, no, nah, it, it, it's crazy, man. Christian, that, that's where, you know, we have whenever a, an athlete speaks out against anything, it's just, you know, it's the shut up and dribble response. I do wonder with Josiah tweeting, is there a point where we just go, Hey, buddy, shut up in business right now. Like, just do the Tillman Fertitta and just, like, just shut up in business. Like, don't, like, maybe you shouldn't be tweeting. So, in your opinion, like, has this public stance from Joe Sy helped matters get resolved, helped them take a strong stance? I, I look at it kind of just like, it's great content. I'll take it. But I don't think, like, he should be doing that. No, I don't think that's part of the issue with the, on the net side is they didn't enjoy how some of these negotiations played out in the media. Sure. I'm sorry people leaked me what was happening. Like, I just happened to get some of that info, and here we are. But then to for, for the ownership to then publicly respond, I don't think I've ever seen that. Yeah. Maybe Mark Cuban did it once. I don't know. I, 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 would, I would bet that he'd be the guy that did it. out Dan of all Gilbert's letter? Yeah, like, the letter. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. might be it, but... To then do that publicly, I mean, I, I don't know. It, that just goes to show you how much of a mess it is right now. Every week that you get closer to training camp is a week where you risk some type of nuclear bomb going off. And now it's, it's just unsalvageable. So we'll see what happens. Well, how many weeks? Five weeks until training camp? Six weeks? If you had to guess which one, because obviously I think if one goes, they both go. And one of them has to be the kind of first to go. There have been, uh, you know. Oh, no, the first to go. is Wait, you're talking about Sean and Steve, if one of them goes? Let's do both sides of it. So Sean or Steve, Kyrie, KD. What happens first? Somebody actually puts the amount of picks and assets on the table to get Kyrie or KD. Which one of those things is more likely to happen? And then which is more likely? Who's more likely to survive her? Steve Nash or Sean Marks? That's funny. I think we know the answer to the second one already. So the yeah, first the second one is very easy. That <laughs> yeah, is that very simple. I think I can coach the team if you give me the right assistance around me. Yeah. At this point, not the alternate governor. Right. Not, yeah. Like if that's how it's listed on the website. I don't think there's any universe where Kyrie gets traded before KD. I don't think that ever happens. Potentially, if the Nets can keep Kyrie Irving a net for the rest of his career, I think that's still on the table as long as he proves that he'll be willing to play and show up to work and do. Listen, I understand why the Nets did what they did with Kyrie to a certain extent, right? Like the man was going crazy in terms of just not playing just because he didn't feel like it, you know? And and I've said this before, the vaccination portion of it, I, I kind of understand your body, your choice. I get making that call, but everything before that, just missing games, the 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 just blatant disregard for COVID protocols. We saw him basically in a club with no mask right around a bunch of people that I think that did more damage to him than not getting vaccinated. Um, the Kevin Durant stuff, I think a team would have to put so I think that would be the first domino to fall, right? You, you'd see Kevin Durant get traded first and then the Nets would be like, okay, well, do we even want to keep Kyrie here? Are we rebuilding? Can we get two draft picks and extra young players for him? Then that would happen. Uh, so it would be KD gets traded first, then Kyrie. On the Sean Mark, Steve Nash side, I think if everybody sat down without Steve Nash, and KD says, hey, I'll stay, but we need a new head coach. You know, I trust Sean. I think Steve would be gone fast. Um, you know, at this point, it's not really a secret anymore. He, he's been outcoached by a lot of his peers. It's just my opinion. I don't think he was the right guy for the job from the jump, 
right? I think you should have gotten somebody with some type of NBA championship pedigree, let it be coaching or let it be whatever it is. He, he didn't even win a championship as a player, right? And this is the guy that you got to coach a team that you had set championship expectations for. <laughs> Damn. I'm sorry. I, I, didn't mean to, I didn't mean to take I mean, I did, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> this is very hard, so... It's it's unfortunate, but yeah, and Sean Marks is an excellent general manager. I agree with that. He's really good. Up until the point where he started having to make decisions for these guys, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, everything else he did was basically bulletproof. And then the missteps started coming, which coincided with the vaccine. If COVID-19 never happened, I think the Nets have a championship right now. And that's really the important thing if COVID didn't happen, is that the Nets... That's what Kyrie keeps saying. <laughs> Except he doesn't use the if he just says COVID right, didn't happen. Let me. Is there is there any? Uh, you mentioned Marx's ability as a GM, and I completely agree with you. Is there any ruining like what was before they made the moves for Kyrie and KD? Do they, is there any amount of wistfulness for the team? That- like a pre-star culture, almost like. I mean. Pre-star culture, sure, but pre-star results, no. You got to take the stars and everything they come with. Hold on, Christian. What we're not going to do here is erase the magical run that I had watching Spencer Dinwiddie. I was all yeah, yeah. in on Spencer. I come still on. am, but yeah. You know, Spencer, Spencer's a great guy. That's that's he's, he's good. But at the same time, the ceiling on that team was what? Getting swept by the Toronto Raptors. Getting getting swept by the Philadelphia 76ers out of the first round. I mean, at the end of the day, that team is going to get you but so far. If the question is, if they could go back in time, make a different yeah. decision, would they make the, the other decision? Answer is no, right? We're talking about the Nets right now on this podcast. Why? Because they have Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, not because they got Spencer Dinwiddie, Joe Harris, Karis LeVert. When they had Wilson Chandler, I could not stop talking about them. Listen, <laughs> man, that, that's a good dude right there, man. Wilson, Wilson Chandler's a real good dude. Well, I mean, technically, because Jason just kept saying, Wilson Chandler's still fucking playing? This is crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He was definitely past his prime while he was with the Nets, unfortunately. But, um, yeah, no, I, I think that's what they want. And this is one of those classic cases of the the phrase that nobody seems to understand, probably, per, uh, which is you, you want to have your cake and eat it, too. Right. Like when the Nets want to have their stars, but they also want to have this culture where they can control everything. And that's not they want to have this Spurs type culture with this roster that looks like, you know, Showtime Lakers or, or Miami Heat. And it just doesn't work that way. Right. You kind or you have to be Pat Riley. They're not Pat Riley. Right. That's that's not how it works. So, um, yeah, maybe maybe it depends on what Ben Simmons ends up actually being. And I've already had to fight. Yeah. I, I had one person try to tell me, like, hey, have you seen the Ben Simmons like summer stuff. I said, no, I like, I'm not, I'm not watching that stuff anymore. Like I got to see real basketball out of him. Right. Maybe. And so maybe this depends on what Ben Simmons ends up being for the nets. But do you think there's any chance they regret this hardened trade at this point? Oh man, that's a great question because I don't, because then what's the worst case scenario if you don't trade, if you don't trade James Harden, right? Then you're dealing with that right now. I mean, to even acquire him. I mean, to acquire, like to go out and acquire him. Cause like you give up Jared Allen, who's obviously very good. You give up Karis, like you, like there was some real talent that went out the door there. hundred percent. But at the same time, you had James Harden, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving on the same team. You do that. In my opinion, I think, I think Sean Marks would have done the same thing. You do that 11 times out of 10. Every single time you can put those three guys on the floor together. Now, would they have maybe not traded James Harden midseason and just said, hey, deal with it, play, and figure it out. You we'll take out you take a healthy way. James Harden, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving and put them against those Boston Celtics. I don't know. I think you got a shot, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So it's yeah. tough. I think maybe. And then this also takes me back to 
some decisions that, like I said, you know, COVID messed everything up in the decision-making from there. What if you don't banish Kyrie Irving at the beginning of the season? What if you say, hey, you can practice with us and you can play road games. You just can't play home games until we get the situation resolved. Kyrie didn't play 16 road games until the Nets said, hey, you can play. If he plays those 16, maybe him and James Harden find some type of rapport, some type of, of chemistry on the floor. And maybe now March doesn't come around and he's he wants to put a, a bullet in Kyrie or a shot in him, right? He, he wanted to get up out of there, so... It's tough. And that's why I say, you know, some of those mini decisions that Sean Marks made and then the one blemish on Sean Marks' record, obviously, is hiring Steve Nash. That that was that was the big one. Yeah. But other than that, he, he's been amazing. But to your other point, from everything that I've heard about Ben Simmons this summer, I've heard that his back has been holding up pretty well and that he also looks really, really good on the floor. The issue is now, from what I've been told, the Nets want to play him at center and they want to play him a bunch yeah, of different places on the floor. Let's fucking go. If you play him at center and he's guarding, you know what I'm saying, guys that want to post him up, and I, I just don't know how that works with a guy who's just got back surgery, right? Like, you right. think that you well, don't want him to guard 300-pound men. Right. Christian, like, one, we, we've all seen the clip of Giannis calling him a fucking baby because he couldn't handle Giannis in the post, which no stress there. Nobody can handle Giannis down yeah, there. Yeah, nobody can do that. Yeah, yeah that's but, fine. But still, <laughs> don't worry about but still, he doesn't usually dunk on someone and then call him a fucking baby over and over into a camera. Uh, but also, I don't know if you get excited hearing, hey, this 26-year-old, his back is holding up. Like, that's a that's a confusing sentiment to get excited about. Like, that's something where I'm just like, I don't know about that. That's actually not a good, that's not a good thing to hear. I mean, listen, any good news about Ben Simmons is better. Listen, I remember yeah, covering the Nets when every single day was a new Ben Simmons update and none of it was good. It was all just terrible. And then it was, okay, he got an epidural. The epidural happened weeks ago. Why didn't you guys tell us when it happened? You know, it, it was crazy. And then, and then, oh, he had a, he had back spasms. The back spasms happened a little while ago. He had an MRI. It, man, covering the Nets was a headache. I say all that to say, a healthy Ben Simmons is a great. The, any good news about He's Ben a Simmons? He's really is a good great player. Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I think that's understated. People will look yeah. at that Atlanta series, the fact that he didn't want to shoot. That man will lock up your favorite player. That man will dunk on your favorite player. That man will get out in transition and create open shots for your favorite shooter. I think he's an amazing fit for these guys, as long as Kevin Durant is on the team. Just real quick, we like. I'm not asking anyone to report anything, but we all agree that he left the group chat story just because it's fun, right? Like, I don't even yeah, want facts yeah, 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 on yeah. this. I yeah, just want to. I just want us all to agree it's a funny story, just like Kawhi Leonard Apple Time. We're all agreeing that it happened. As funny, I wish I could confirm that that happened, but the the New York Daily News is <laughs> unable to confirm Rick Buecher's reporting. Jason, that's not a no. Not a no. I am unable to confirm that report, so I'll leave it at that. He is Christian Winfield of the New York Daily News. Christian, thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate you guys for having me, man. Anytime. You know what that sound means? That means it's time for Buzzer Beaters, where we talk about the stories and stuff that we didn't have time to cover in the show. Zach, what is your buzzer beater about this week? As much as I do want to discuss um, I, just an uneasiness I have with Russians due to the show For All Mankind <laughs> yeah. uh, and no other reason, um, I, I got to talk about the rehearsal. Oh, my God. Uh, it's, a, it's a show I'm obsessed with. I have gone driving around the valley to find points from the rehearsal. No, you haven't. So here's the thing, Jason. The Fielder Method of Acting School is located, or was located, I should say, two blocks from the last apartment I lived in. 
I moved here in October, and this place is two blocks away. I used to go over by that area all Holy the time. Holy shit. And so I went over. I found where it was. I went over there. It is now a jujitsu studio. Oh, cool. Which makes me wonder, has this been replaced, or is this part of the rehearsal? Right. Where now Nathan is becoming a jujitsu master. I don't know. I drove by couple of times this past weekend the uh acai bowl place that nathan starts working at in sherman oaks because it's near my new place like i cannot stop thinking about this show and my parents live in salem oregon which is not that far from where a lot of this stuff is happening in the rehearsal season when i go to visit them you're damn right i'm gonna go drive by all this stuff and try to find nate's lizard lounge yes the thing that blows me away about the rehearsal is that it appears that they spend three Game of Thrones episodes worth of budget on every single, like they're building entire homes, like fully furnished entire electrified homes with cameras. They're built, they're like building entire bars in warehouses and then shipping the bars to across the country. Across the country. How can this be happening? As across the country as it can get. Folks, it's it's unreal. Uh, for my buzzer beater, I'm going to do the one that you mentioned. I'm going to say for all mankind, folks, for all mankind. Here's what it is. For all mankind is an alternate history show about the origins of a unified human space force like, say, Starfleet in Star Trek. The idea being You know Star Trek, you know about these like incredible spaceships uh, staffed by various human uh, people from all nationalities and including various members of alien races. What would it take? What would the conditions need to be like here on Earth for that kind of force to actually happen? And we're in season three now. Season three uh, finale just aired. And... It's crazy shit, folks. Like, it's a banger. And not only is it great and wonderful sci-fi adventure action, but it's, like, corny in a way that I feel like I really need right now. Like, it's corny. Like, there'll be shit where it's, like, uh, you know, the Russians and the Americans are completely at odds. Uh, Astronauts have accidentally been killed. And you just don't think that there's any way that this Russian uh, cosmonaut's going to be able to work with this American who's also gay, which yeah, is playing out un- against the backdrop of uh, the partisan politics of the 1990s. But then there'll just be like this big speech where it's like, you know what? I've always seen you as a person. I've always seen you as a person. And then you just do this soaring music. And that happens numerous times. And while, yes, I know that sounds corny, man, do I need that shit right now. Yeah. I just need people looking in each other's eyes and being like, you know what? Let's just cooperate. Let's just figure it out. Let's just figure out how we can just work together, even though everything around us says that we can't work together. What if we just figured it out? And and that's really hitting home for me. For All Mankind, watch it now on Apple TV+. That's it for us. Follow and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe to uh, my YouTube channel for our X-Ray Vision show, where you get lots of fun stuff from the X-Ray Vision podcast, which covers nerd culture, pop culture every week. Check it out. Goodbye.
Take Line is a Crooked Media production. The show is produced by Ryan Wallerson and Zuri Irvin. Our executive producers are myself and Sandy Gerard. Engineering, editing, and sound design by the great Sarah Dibalaska and the folks at Chapter 4. And our theme music is produced by Brian Vasquez. Mia Kelman is on the Zoom for Vibes, and the vibes are fantastic all the time. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Sofas, recliners, love seats. Everything is better in leather. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley, where bold meets durable. And wait a minute. Who's been finger painting on the couch again? That's okay. Leather is easy to clean. The new leather collection at Ashley is built with the durability you need for the whole family. Yes, pets too. Luxury is meant to be livable. Shop chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home.